Mari here. Welcome to First Up. It is Ramire. We call that Friday. The 28th of October, Cornathan Rarariaho coming up. More than 100 cases of Ebola have been identified in an outbreak in Uganda that is spreading. Nabil Ahmed tells us more. We go to Littleton, where they've just had their first cruise ship visit for 11 years. Pretty cool. A monster weekend of sports awaits. The overlapping All Blacks and Black Ferns game. Controversy. Crisis. Time crisis. Watch where you watch live. And it's Croctober, everybody. 20 years of Crocs. Those shoes that you see everywhere some people very excited to share their views on them what do you think of crocs yeah crocs the shoes yeah love them can i get you to say that without saying that if we're not (laughs) i love crocs they're very nice they're comfortable and you can walk through puddles in them Kia ora koutou. welcome to First Up, and a uh, big old Friday for you, many things to go on the show, so we're going to begin this morning in the USA, and this is on the eve, you may not have heard this news, Elon Musk, now he's taking over Twitter, it's actually happening, J- joining me. From New York is our correspondent Bevan Hurley, morena Bevan. Morena Nathan. Big news here, Elon Musk, apparently he's, he's completed his Twitter purchase, is that correct, or is it going to be happening in the next hour or so? Well, we're just waiting for that final confirmation, but everything points to to this being a done deal, Nathan. Um, He's got until 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow, Friday, to actually uh, sign sign and seal the um, agreement through his lawyers. But uh, yesterday he made a very, um, you know, typically performative uh, appearance at uh, Twitter's San Francisco headquarters. He wandered in, um, tweeted a nine-second video of himself himself smiling and carrying a porcelain sink, and uh, along with the words, entering Twitter HQ, let that sink in. Uh, He's also changed his um, bio on the on the site to Chief Twit. So um, everything's pointing to him uh, going through with that deal to take Twitter private uh, for $44 billion. Um, it, it really brings to an end a tumultuous few months. You know, you, you'll recall that he agreed to buy the company in April and then weeks later tried to uh, pull out, uh, appearing to um, understand that he'd massively overpaid for it. Um, Twitter then sued Musk to force him to go through with the deal, and it had been um, scheduled to go to trial in Delaware next month. But um, lo and behold, the mercurial billionaire changed his mind and recommitted to the purchase just a couple of weeks ago. Um, And for those of us on Twitter, Nathan, we're uh, likely to see profound and immediate changes. Uh, Musk has promised that he is going to allow Pretty much, you know, any kind of free speech that doesn't break the law of the local land. Um, he wants to loosen rules around content moderation. He wants to reverse the ban on people like Donald Trump. Um, and he, he eventually plans to kind of model it on a sort of a WeChat type um, app, you know, where you can do everything from payments to booking a car to, to um, you know, encrypted private messaging. So big things are in store. And as you can imagine, not everyone's happy. There was quite a funereal sort of a mood on Twitter last night at everyone, as everyone was sort of threatening to uh, to withdraw from it. So we'll see how that all works out. And I think too, if people are listening going like, so what? It's just some some weird little thing that I don't follow on. I I, I would think it's, it's not unfair to say, Bevan, that Donald Trump rode that wave of Twitter to the presidency. 
Like that was it was huge for him, creating him into a knowable character. And this was in the days, remember, the only way to win the presidency was to build up as much advertising as you could for yourself with this whole raising money. So he just went on and just said, you know, things to, to make himself famous. And a lot of journalists go off there and look for what's hot. So, um, yeah, it, it does it does matter. And it matters greatly in a very odd kind of way. But let's just move to something different. Poll results here showing really bad news for the Democrats in the midterm elections. What is the latest there? Yeah, ominous signs uh, for the Democrats, Nathan. Um, we uh, are seeing a real um, momentum shift over the past few weeks to the Republicans um, heading into this final stretch before the midterms on 8 November. Um, they now lead the generic ballot by 45 to 44%, um, which effectively means that they are holding all the Trump cards and that the Dems are having to go on defence. They're having to plough millions and millions of dollars into advertising in states where Joe Biden won handsomely, um, places like New York, New Jersey, California, Rhode Island. We're seeing in New York uh, State a competitive race for the governor's uh, role, um, which, you know, you you think of New York being a fairly liberal place, but um, Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate, is really running Kathy Hochul quite close. Um, And the big talking point of the week was the um, uh, debate held in Pennsylvania for the um, Senate uh, there. The two candidates, John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz, faced off for the one and only debate. And, you know, Fetterman has become a bit of a hero uh, in, uh, to the de- Democrats. He's a former small town mayor. He wears a hoodie on the campaign trail. And he really appeals to those sort of working class voters that they're trying to win back. But he also had a stroke um, a couple of months ago and his public appearances have been very limited. And um, he sort of offered quite a halting um display he uses closed captioning to read um uh, comments so there was quite a few awkward pauses and uh, it it was sad to see that there was quite an immediate response by a lot of people saying well he's just not fit for the job but you know a a lot of people with disabilities sort of said that it was validating to see a political candidate um up there and talking about their disability so uh, so candidly um so keep a really close eye on pennsylvania nevada georgia um, those are where the Senate is going to be won and lost, Nathan. Yeah, thank you uh, very much, Bevan. Uh, Bevan Hooley there. Yes, John Fetterman, an interesting fellow, uh, gigantic, he's six foot eight. I think, and you see him in a suit, and at first I thought he was the security guard uh, for the, the politician, but no, that was the, the man himself. Also, too, uh, headline there out of the States, this is an interesting one, and it might sound familiar there, a record drop in student grades, fourth and eighth graders falling well behind in reading and the largest ever decline in maths. Mm-hmm. Lots going on. Anyway, it is uh, 11 and a half past five. And it's good to have you here at First Up on RNZ National with me, Nathan Rarity. Yeah, um, keep for your feedback. Uh, lots, lots yesterday, actually. A ton of it. So um, good to have you out there. Just wondering, too, we heard in the news um, about the enrolments at, at um, GPs, particularly around, I think it was New Plymouth. It's very hard to... Uh, even sign up as a new patient to get in. Have you tried to do that recently? Uh, have you tried to jump across? And this is just around the nation. How long are you waiting for an appointment? Um, or have you tried to move clinics or anything like that as well? So 2101, just let us know that stuff. Just want to get a pulse of the nation. What's happening up and down this great country of ours? Well, you can email us first up at rnz.co.nz. So we go to Africa now, where the Ebola virus is spreading, although it's yet to be identified outside of Uganda. Uh, for the latest, I'm joined from Ghana by Nabil Ahmed. Morena, Nabil. 
Morena, Nathan. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Tell me about, tell me about this. Uh, I mean, Ebola freaks everybody out in the world when we hear about this. So Uganda stepped up its Ebola response. What, what are the latest with numbers? Well, Nathan, uh, health officials uh, say the number of confirmed Ebola cases in Uganda has risen to 109. And uh, so far, the outbreak has claimed 30 lives. Now, uh, 15 of the confirmed cases, according to health officials, uh, were among health workers, out of which six of them have died. Now, the government says it is stepping up efforts to curb the spread of the virus uh, by setting up an additional uh, treatment center. Now, this particular new center, uh, as they say, uh, will have more than 300 beds to treat uh, the Ebola patients. Now, authorities in Uganda are saying that uh, the virus circulating in Uganda at the moment is the Sudan strain of Ebola. And this particular strain has no proven vaccine, unlike the more common uh, strain, uh, which is seen uh, in recent outbreaks in neighboring Democratic uh, Republic of Congo. And that has made it difficult for them to really handle the spread of the disease. Sad. It's very sad to hear that. Let's go to Namibia uh, as we head to the, the south of Africa. They, they want to renegotiate a colonial era uh, reparations deal with, with Germany. What are the numbers being talked about there? Indeed, uh, Nathan. Well, last year, the German government agreed to offer a financial uh, support of about $1 billion to Namibia. And that is actually as part of preparation for the genocide committed during the colonial era. Now, this particular deal was criticized by the position and they described it. Now, Namibia's government says in July, they actually, a parliament passed for them to go for a renegotiation deal with uh, the German government to get more money. But for now, the amount of uh, money that they are going to negotiate for has not been disclosed as yet. But the government has actually said that it is committed to fighting for justice for the victims of the crimes committed during the colonial period, Nathan. Uh, if we go slightly south of there, this is, and I don't get why, but you can explain it to me. Prosecutors in South Africa have dropped mass rape charges against a group of men. Why? Yes, uh, Nathan, this story actually broke uh, when the gang rape happened sometime in July. And now prosecutors are saying that the DNA evidence that it took from the 14 suspects accused of the gang rape actually did not link them to the crime. So now they would have to discharge them. And as I said, you know, this particular incident happened in July and these suspects were arrested after some victims of the gang rape pointed them out as the alleged rapists during the police identity parade. Now, reports of the gang rape led to some xenophobic attacks and threats against uh, some illegal migrants in South Africa. And most of them were minors who were suspected to be behind the crime. Now, we know that now the suspects have been discharged of the uh, rape, uh, I mean, charge. Now, the police in South Africa are saying that uh, they will continue with investigations to find the actual people uh, behind the gang rape, uh, Nathan. Um, finally, give us an update on um, preparations for the 2025 Africa Cup of Nations. Yes, this is coming up because the Confederation of African Football, which we know as CAF, 
are set uh, November 11 as the deadline for countries in Africa to declare their interest in hosting the 2025 Africa Cup of Nations. Now, it has become necessary because Guinea, which was to be the host, has been stripped of their rights uh, because of concerns over infrastructure and facilities. Usually, CAF would go around to see if that country has the needed infrastructure and the facilities to host such big tournaments. And it has come out that Guinea is not really prepared to host the 2025, uh, I mean, Africa Cup of Nations. So now there is, uh, I mean, a bit out there. Any country that feels they'll be able to host the uh, tournament can come forward. Now, uh, the continent's uh, football governing body, CAF, says it will, is expected to finalize all these um, mean preparation by December 16. For now, Nathan, it is unclear when uh, which African country will be selected to host the tournament in 2025. But uh, we are learning that Morocco is expected to bid, which is quite interesting. And also, uh, there's been some speculations that Algeria, South Africa, and then Senegal uh, will also be showing some interest to host their tournament in 2025. Nathan. Thank you very much. Out of Ghana, that is Nabil Ahmed. It is 18 past five. Well, here in New Zealand, athletically, uh, 14,000 people or so from 30 countries are expected to take part in the Auckland Marathon this weekend. So they're going to be running, as you do, 42.2 kilometres from Devonport, then they go over the Harbour Bridge and then into the city. Now, it's the first marathon since COVID hit, and the organisers say it's the biggest mass participation event in New Zealand since 2019. So as uh, well as you know, as well as grueling for many participants, it's uh, going to be poignant too, as they run on behalf of a range of good causes. Now, one of those runners running for a good cause is Aucklander Kitty Price. I'm running the Auckland Marathon. I'm raising money for the Gut Cancer Foundation as well while I'm doing it, but it's also going to be my 200th marathon. So. A big day, big free, big day. <laughs> Three I, weeks I, away. I want to get to this two hundred very soon because that is a staggering number. But first off, let's talk about the Gut Cancer Foundation that you're you're raising yeah. money and trying to raise some awareness for too. Why is that special to you? A couple of reasons, but funny enough, I've just come in from, I've just been for a quick run this morning, and when I was out running this morning, I met this lady on the run, and she, her name's Jo, she's from Tauranga. And she's just come through cancer. She has cancer, had cancer in her mouth. And she was telling me about her journey. And she was, and I, when I mentioned to her that I was running and raising funds for the Gut Cancer Foundation. And she just said, oh, thank you so much. And, you know, keep up the good work. And it was amazing because, you know, the cancer that she had was quite unusual. And she said, you know, there's so much awareness out there for other charities like the Breast Cancer Foundation and Prostrate and everything, mm. but not so much for cancers of the gut. So it was it was really special this morning, just talking to her, and it reminded me of why I'm doing this. But the Gut Cancer Foundation, for me, it was triggered because my best friend's husband had bowel cancer. Some close family members have had cancers as well, and I think it's just, if I can do this, I, I just want to try and make a difference if I can. So, yeah, very special. <laughs> oh, well, good, well, good on you. I mean, look, so, you know, so many people, as you'll know, will build up to running one marathon in their life, and it is a massive yeah. achievement. I, I'm wondering yeah. here... I would have thought that once you get to, I don't know, 10, you think that's great. Even 100, right? And they go, oh, 100, that's great. What, 200? Why? (laughs) Because I can. I I love running. (laughs) It's it's been my job. I've been a running coach for the last 10 years or so, Hmm. and I just love what I do. And I have an amazing community of friends that I do it with, and I, I just have so much fun. But but because I can. Also, I think for me, being a running coach in the last 
100 marathons more or less have been more about pacing and helping others. So it's been a different journey, the last, the second 100. The first 100 were more for me, but this has been more of a being able to help other people on their journey. So it's, it's been fun. I'm always fascinated by people that do endurance sports and I always think to myself quite often, like where does your brain go when you're in the middle of, of doing this? Because you sometimes you're, you're trapped alone with your own thoughts in there. Oh, it's amazing that time. I just love going out running. I don't listen to music. I just I love being in my own head. It just helps me to get ready for the day. It can help solve problems. You, you, you just Your mind just goes. It's, it's so cool. It's and yeah, you do get habits, but it's also about being in the moment and then just being grateful for what you can do as well. Like this morning, you know, meeting that lady on the run and she's coming back from chemotherapy and surgery and, it's, and she was she was just so inspirational this morning. I ran back so much faster than I went out after meeting mm. her. So it's, yeah, just being grateful for what you can do. I think it's wonderful what you're doing here. And as you've mentioned, you, you are a running coach. There might yeah. be people listening who are, are taking part perhaps in, in the Auckland Marathon for the first time yeah. or other marathons around. And it must be something that people ask you. Have you got any little nutshells of you know advice for people? For the marathon this weekend, the forecast isn't great. It's going to be raining, so um, lots of Vaseline on everything. Oh, Mate, mate, yeah, lots of Vaseline. If it's raining, you know, lots of more opportunity to safe and everything. But also start slowly, start a little bit slower than you um, intend to, so make sure you don't go too fast. Auckland Marathon, it's front loaded with hills, so lots of hills, so take the first five to eight k's conservatively. Make sure you focus on your fueling and you, and hydration as you're going, because you need to keep up your energy level. So start early and keep keep it going, and um, just. Remember your why. That's really important. One thing I, I do a lot of pacing with people. This is I've been pacing about seventy marathons, and mm. um, what I like to do in the last ten k's is when the going gets tough, we always run a k for someone. So you think of someone and you run for them. So the last ten k's from St Helier's, pick ten people and just run every k one k for them, and then the last k that's for you because you've done it all. So pick your, you know think of someone else. That always helps. So that's Kitty Price, awesome, uh, running Marathon 200 there for the Gut Cancer Foundation, and she's so good at running marathons that afterwards she said, yeah, I'm pacing that out and I'll be coming over the uh, the finish line at exactly 11am. And she's run 200 marathons, so I'm like, okay, I believe you. So if you would like to see her and cheer, uh, she will be there at 11am, I'll bet you. Won't actually bet you, but you know what I mean, I believe her. It's 23 past five. I'm Nathan Rarity. You're with First Up here at RNZ National. Coming up, fruit and veg. Also, Crocs and cruise ships. Mm-hmm. Where they are standing in the rear. Big ones, small ones, some It's the end of the week, but it's the start of the greatest segment in New Zealand radio history. It's time to catch up with the Minister of Fruit and Veg. He is Glenn Forsyth, Morena Glenn. Morena Nathan, long time, how are you? I'm very good, thank you sir. So, uh, let's get into a little bit of advice because we like to black belt our audience with make them you know, experts in shopping and buying things that, yes. which are good and nutritious. What's the industry's advice on how to save money when you're buying fresh produce? Yeah, so we met the lovely Julie North this week. Now she's the face and brains behind the amazing website vegetables.co.nz. Now these guys do a wonderful job for our industry promoting the goodness of New Zealand growing vegetables 365 days of the year. Something they've introduced recently is their Veggie Love and Shopper. 
who randomly goes into stores, buys a whole bunch of linseeds and New Zealand veggies, keeping her eye on the dollar, then posting on the vegetables.co.nz Facebook and Instagram pages. So the aim is $20. She visited the Veggie Guy in Nelson and Makaraka Veggies in Gisborne through winter, both exceptional hauls. But her latest visit was Avondale Markets last Sunday with $20 worth of cauliflower, capsicums, spring carrots, tomatoes, eggplant, cucumbers, and three varieties of Asian leafy greens. Very impressive. I, I saw the picture bustling spring produce right there. So Julie is a registered nutritionist and they hope people will really embrace this new idea of the veggie love and shopper and to try what she buys and then head to the vegetables.co.nz website to read all about the veggies she brought and uh, recipe ideas on there too as well to try out with them. So look out for that and we'll, we'll keep you posted throughout the next few months where she's going to be shopping next. Okie dokie, vegetables.co.nz. Um, what, what is the latest from the veggie patch, Glenn? Yeah, it's been a week since we last chatted, and in the produce game, that is a long time. A lot changes, especially post-Labor weekend. So apart from all the goodies mentioned from the Avondale purchase, other abundant lines at the markets this week have been Coomera, mushrooms, courgettes, loads of asparagus, and salad green vegetables are back in good supply, such as your baby spinach, rocket, mescaline, and fancy and normal lettuces. New Zealand brown onions are finishing for their season, so their prices nearly doubled at the markets in just over a week alone, but new season will fill up the shelves again by early December. Some earlier new season vegetables starting now though were New Zealand flat beans, pukakoi parsnips and some stunning New Zealand snow peas. So try some snow peas, lightly cook until tender but still crisp. Use in stir fries, steamed or in salads, either raw or blanched um, or you can even have them as part of the snack platter. So look out for some of those this weekend if you yeah, spot them. Love a good bean. What about, um, when do we, it's not quite summer yet, what's happening in the fruit department? Are we what do they have a thing called late autumn fruit? Yeah, yeah. Well, where we start with fruit, it is certainly a transition stage from winter fruit to spring summer fruit. So, for example, you will see prices higher now on New Zealand lemons, navel oranges, and kiwi fruit as their season comes to a close, taking their place of berries such as strawberries, blueberries, and raspberries. Mandarins are well supplied, however, and of course avocados. There is the refreshing Chinese nashi pear in stock, and the pink lady apple is a good choice. But do remember to store apples in the fridge to extend their shelf life. Now, some exquisite R2E2 mangoes are here from Australia, although some of the bigger ones were fetching over $10 each. And the first stone fruit appeared this week, some nectarines from Wairoa, but of course, too early to get excited yet there. And the fruit of the week is what we all look forward to. Oh, hang on, wait, 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 wait. Hi, hi, Glenn. Good to talk to you. What is your fruit of the week? New Zealand strawberries. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're getting lots packed now around Auckland and in the Waikato. And if you shop around next week, in the North Island at least, you should find retails of $4 a punnet. Seen the new New Zealand strawberries now, looking and tasting beautiful. Beautiful. Glenn, what we want to do, can I, can I give you some homework? You know when you go and you, yes. you get, you, there's the, that wonderful bit of the year where you go and pick your own strawberries, but sometimes you get them and they're a bit watery. So I want to know, can you go and find out how do you tell which ones are the sweet ones and which ones are the ones which might be nice and big, but they might be a bit watery? If you can let us know next week and we'll, we'll make the audience super smart on that. Thank you very much, as always. See, he's got your best, he's got your best thoughts in mind. He's Glenn Forsyth. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. This is the day of our life we call the 28th of October, and some people call it their birthday. 
Joaquin Phoenix. Now, Joaquin Phoenix is responsible for that one costume that every teenage boy has worn uh, on Halloween for the past decade or so. It's the Joker costume with the the, the face and they do that Kubrick stare where they look out the top of their eyes. Joaquin Phoenix, who was actually, uh, Phoenix is not his surname, it's actually Bottom. Uh, he was born in San Juan in Puerto Rico. So yes, River, it was also River Bottom. He's his uh, big big brother, well was his big brother as well. So Joaquin Phoenix, 48 years old today. Musician Ben Harper, who loves Auckland City, is uh, 53 years old today. Julia Roberts, is 55, and Bill Gates turns 67 years old today. Some publishing happened on this day in 1726. So Jonathan Swift anonymously published Travels into Several Remote Nations of the World, which later became Gulliver's Travels and, uh, as you know, is an all-time classic. On this day in 1886, the 151-foot-high gift from the French people to the United States, the Statue of Liberty, was dedicated it was kind of a default present because it was supposed to be at the Suez Canal, but the financial backers there pulled out at the last minute and they had no one to give it to. So they gave it to the Americans. Uh, also to remember, that one showed up on Ghostbusters 2 and also Spider-Man. So there you go, well done to that one. And on this day in 1982, gosh, I remember this as being one of the... What was I? I was 10. I remember that as being one of the stories of my childhood. Lindy Chamberlain found guilty of the murder of her nine-week-old daughter after a jury dismisses her claim that a dingo took her baby. And that was on this day, 1982, and that's the day that we call the 28th of October. Joining us here from the business team, it's Anand Zaki. Kia ora, sir. How are you? Morena, very well, thank you. Okie dokie. A couple of things to talk about this morning. I actually want to talk about cars, because this one, <laughs> I, sometimes I, I misplace my, my keys and I can't find the blip blip thing. Um, but tell me this, car makers going back to old-fashioned keys because of a chip shortage for those of us that like to blip blip. Yeah, I mean, even keys can be too smart these days, right? Mm. Uh, so uh, Toyota, who we spoke about earlier this week about uh, electric cars, well, they are facing another challenge, and that's the global computer chip shortage. So for each new card they sell in Japan, customers would usually get two smart keys. But because of the t- chip shortage, uh, to go boop, boop, uh, one of those uh, keys will be replaced with a mechanical one. Now, uh, Toyota say this will be uh, this will ensure cars are delivered quickly because they don't want deliveries to be held up because they are short of a spare key, essentially. Mm. Uh, but uh, this doesn't mean customers won't get a second smart key. Uh, they say as soon as it's ready, it will be handed over. Now, there's no indication of whether this policy will be extended beyond Japan, but you know this chip shortage just do- doesn't seem to be going away. So, uh, certainly want to keep an eye on uh, to see whether it goes beyond. Uh, Japan. Mm. Uh, also, too, I see bad news uh, on the front here. Business failures on the rise. Yeah, well, I, I wish I could give you some better news on a Friday. Uh, you know, we have this quarterly report from BWA Insolvency looking at companies' office data, and they say there's been a 43% increase in the past three months to uh, 384 liquidations, uh, another 32 receiverships and voluntary administrations. Now, uh, BWA told us that uh, economic and financial reality is catching up with more firms. Uh, We're also now in a situation where the financial lifelines from the COVID times of government wage subsidies and uh, more understanding banks uh, have ended. 
uh, you know, the subsidies kept uh, quite a, quite a few companies afloat, and they probably would have failed without that help. But now, uh, it's a more ruthless situation. Inland revenue also isn't as lenient, and businesses are facing high costs, uh, supply challenges, worker shortages. Now, we spoke to BWA founder Brian Williams, and he reckons it's going to get even tougher, especially for businesses uh, with slim or no margins, and he expects the number of failures to rise. Now, in terms of uh, sectors, the construction sector, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, is where the most insolvencies are, uh, making up more than a quarter of the three-monthly total. Uh, There weren't as many in hospitality, but uh, Brian Williams uh, believes that's because many owners have already walked out and turned off the lights. Uh, So not very good news on that front. No, good they're turning off the lights, though. That's uh, thinking about the planet. Uh, Thank you very much, Anandzaki there. You can hear more from the business team on Morning Report this morning at 10 to 7. If you take your Kiwi dollar shopping, you can buy 58.45 US cents, 90.17 Australian cents, 58.48 Euro cents, 50.46 British pence, 4.23 yuan and 85.36 Japanese yen. We're going to get sporty now. So New Zealand's two crown jewel rugby teams are in action this weekend. But would you believe it? Both games overlap each other. So it shakes down like this. The All Blacks will play Japan. That is in Tokyo. And that kicks off live at 6.50pm New Zealand time. Meanwhile, the Black Ferns play their Rugby rugby World Cup quarterfinal against Wales, uh, which is in Whangarei, and that kicks off at 7.30pm. So it's a scheduling debacle that's no doubt left New Zealand rugby bosses quite embarrassed. It's actually a result of a clash with the Megapod. Look, the Japanese uh, baseball playoffs are on, and that is the hugest deal that they have on their sporting calendar. So the All Blacks game will not be moved because... They would be laughed out of the room, Japan Rugby, if they showed up to baseball and said, can you move it, please? Reporter Leonard Powell went to find out from some fans who will be, uh, what will they be watching live? All Blacks or Black Ferns? Probably Black Ferns. Sounds more competitive to me. I don't know, I've always watched All Blacks, so maybe just the All Blacks. And then that's sad, because we should just, um, you know, support both teams, but that's whoever's fault that is. I want to watch the Black Ferns, but no one seems to have Spark. Everyone's got Sky. But I would rather watch the Black Ferns than the All Blacks. Obviously the Black Ferns. I think it's important to support our manawahine and go the Black Ferns is all I can say. The All Blacks get enough coverage. You'd watch the All Blacks? Yep, yep. Got it. Yeah, yeah. How about you guys? All Blacks, yeah. You wouldn't miss an All Blacks game? I wouldn't miss it on the TV, no. No, I'd definitely watch the All Blacks all day long. Maybe the ladies, yeah. They probably have a chance of making um, semis. Yeah, All Blacks got this, so we don't need to watch them. I won't be watching either, actually. No, you got other plans? I do, yeah, but I think they probably could have given a little bit more thought into it with the uh, you know, clash of times. But yeah, go the All Blacks and go the Black Fans. Watch the, watch the girls, of course. You can see the All Blacks any, any time, but you can't see the girls play no more interesting at the moment. All Blacks, we always go for All Blacks. Yeah, that's our team, eh? Probably not the black, black ferns anyway. I'll probably be watching the All Blacks. And why you just prefer watching the All Blacks? Oh, of course. But I support the black ferns as well because, hey, how often do you see them play test matches in New Zealand? Not for especially a World Cup. But no, the All Blacks for me. If you had to choose between the All Blacks or the black ferns, who would you be watching? The Cook Islands. <laughs> <laughs> to you. Uh, for those of you wondering, too, I'm not quite sure what streaming service has the Japanese baseball playoffs, but it's of course the uh, Yakult Swallows and the Oryx Buffaloes. Turn up the heat.
with me now. We set him up. We get the lava lamp going and the RNZ sports beanbag out for Barry Guy. Uh, how are you? You're good. Glad it's Friday. Are we sending anyone up to cover um, the Swallows Oryx game, or are we? Uh we're not doing that at RNZ? Uh, we'll just be using the Japanese correspondent. Okay, sure. Again. Sure. Yep. Okay, great. So, anyway, massive weekend of everything. Where, where, where's your brain at? Which one's the which one's burning brightest in the sporting office? Well, it has to be uh, the World Cup. For me, uh, this is the quarterfinals, uh, and I've been following the Black Ferns through the tournament, mm. and so I just want to see the uh, progression of uh, how well they are playing and just where this forward pack is at to challenge the uh, big teams at uh, the pointy end of the tournament. I like that midfield, though. I think oh. that's really good. I, th- I thought so far during the World Cup, I really thought Fitzpatrick, that cutout pass she has is beautiful. It's the best one since Martin Nonu from second five. Well, I mean, that, that's that, yeah, that's not their problem, though. I mean, no. you know, they've they've managed to get Stacey Flula back and she's gone into the centres because mm. they also need to get Portia Woodman, uh, Ruby Tui and Aisha Letty Langer. Um, playing also, so I mean that's not the problem. I I, I just see they've got to get some um, clean ball just to make sure that yeah. they can uh, do the damage, uh, so to speak. So um, that's of interest to me. And also, I think just with the All Blacks, there is you know it's a completely different team. I think it's going to take a while for them to get going um, in that game because Japan, I don't think, will be pushovers uh, right from the start with Jamie Joseph in charge there. So I'll be uh, watching the Black Ferns first that, and the, the uh, rugby player. That's the danger, isn't it, Barry? The amount of teams that have wandered into Japan going, oh, yeah, we'll just beat these guys, and they yep. get embarrassed. Like, yep. still Scotland and Japan, uh, Scotland and Ireland in that last World Cup, yep. just trounced by uh, Japan, and they will be they'll be built for this one for sure. Um, but also, as well as that, we've got another World Cup going on. We've got some T20 cricket. Uh, yes, so that uh, New Zealand plays Sri Lanka at nine. So the uh, Blackfoots game will still be going. So there's going to be a little of an overlap there oh, also that when that when that starts. Uh, big upset last night. Uh, Zimbabwe beat Pakistan. Pakistan's had two losses now. Um, wow. So they're in uh, trouble. I see uh, Matthew Wade, the Australian. He's come down with COVID as well as Adam Zampa. Uh, and they're playing England tonight, uh, so they both need um, uh, wins there. There is, uh, I understand that Matthew Wade still might actually play because mm. you know that isolation is not an issue there anymore. So uh, yeah, some big games in there, and that's uh, exciting stuff. Because it's, it's it's very knife edge for England, isn't it? I mean, I think yeah. uh, I was trying to figure they they might them or Australia could actually possibly miss out on the next. Um, the, the next stage, which is crazy. Um, things not yeah. England, England just Sorry. in 2019 when they won the uh, ODI World Cup, they lost three games and then they went on to beat New Zealand in the final. Uh, this yeah. is slightly different because it's straight into a semi-final, but don't discount England just yet. No. Okay. Uh, finally, getting out there and getting tickets as well. While we're talking World Cups, it's a World Cup Friday. The FIFA Women's World Cup tickets. I went and bought uh, some uh, well, online some tickets this week. Nice. Uh, big game in Wellington uh, is uh, the USA against the Netherlands. That's the repeat of uh, last tournament's final, and there were hardly any tickets. Mm. So if you want to go and watch that big game, uh, and also I bought um, uh, football ferns against uh, Philippines, and there wasn't a great choice there either. So if you're going to buy tickets for next year's FIFA World Cup in New Zealand, you better get out there and get them. But you know New Zealand. No, New Zealanders, we don't do that. We show up 10 minutes beforehand and go, why can't I get in? That was such a thing. I must have. We're late (laughs) with tickets. We're late with Let's just walk up. That's what it is. Barry Guy, thank you very much for your time, sir. There he is uh, on the uh, the sport and beanbag this morning. It's Barry Guy.
Yes, uh, it's, um, we'll call it, what, 17 to 6. I'm Nathan Rarity here at First Up on RNZ National. So between now and the end of the programme, we find out what's on Morning Report. We also find out about Crocs. We find out about cruise ships. The professionals of Morning Report are up after six, uh, so it's time for Marnie Report to tell us what Morning Report is doing. That's <laughs> so what we we'll call the small feature. Name. Yeah, Marnie Report. Yeah, the Marnie Report with Marnie Dunlop. Kia ora, how are you? I'm good. Happy Friday. How are yeah. you? Oh, yeah, you're right. It's Friday. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Oh, we did. This week's seen five <laughs> weeks long and I don't get it. But anyway, um, what's happening? Hey, look, we're, we're leading with uh, ANZ, uh, as you would have probably seen, heard, been covering. Uh, our largest bank has made a record after-tax profit of $2.3 billion. So as bank profits are surging uh, and interest rates, and, you know, along with the financial pain felt by many borrowers. So yes. we'll be talking to the chief executive after seven. And I don't know if you know, but there's actually some rugby games on tomorrow. I've heard. Yeah. I, I have yeah. heard this, yes. Yeah, so um, it's this <laughs> little team called the Black Ferns. I don't mm-hmm. know. They're in the World Cup. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're doing the quarterfinal tomorrow, actually. So we're doing, we've got a beautiful package from Sam Ollie, our um, amazing Northland Taitokero reporter, and we have Kendra Coxedge on the line. Obviously, this is her last World Cup. She'll be retiring after that. I thought it was pretty cool how they let Crystal Murray lead the hucker last week at home. That was, oh, that was great. That was stunning. See, you I'm, go, Crystal Murray. I I'm a northerner. Her. I love and, her. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and we have Whakapapa to the Murray lines. Um, and so, no, I was very proud to see oh, that. Is this like, and now hang on, mate, is this like how every Samoan person I know is like, yeah, I'm related to The Rock? Uh, no, we are. Oh, okay. We're all related. All right. No, no. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> It totally depends, but yeah. And also, obviously, Portia Woodman's from Kaikohe. Yes. Um, you know, I'm so probably, we're also probably related. Um, well, we are related, I should say. <laughs> I've got to get on in this, but Rungamai Wahin is not, we're not big on the, uh, we haven't no, provided no, a lot not, of rugby. Oh, no, my Wahin is definitely presented. Is oh, we have, presented. Good. You're good, yeah. you're all good. There no, we go. No, I, no you're, don't, don't you worry. <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of you around. Yes. <laughs> No, we're just loud, that's all. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's us all this Friday, pretty much. And we'll be just talking to John Stevenson as well about the new uh, independent defence body and what that looks like, what it needs to look like, hmm. uh, and those sorts of things. So yeah, that's us. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Yeah. Money Dunlop here with you after six, therefore, morning report. Well, Littleton, uh, gosh, they must have got out the bunting yesterday. They welcomed the first cruise ship in 11 years yesterday, delivering 2,700 uh, passengers to the tourist-starved town. Joining me now is Roshani Bowman uh, from the Littleton Port Information Centre, who welcomed those visitors from the Celebrity Eclipse uh, to town yesterday. Roshani, thank you very much uh, for being here. So that's the first cruise ship since the 2011 Christchurch earthquake. What? Uh, just tell us, just first up, what, what does this mean for the area? Morena Nathan. First off, how did you know we got the bunting out? <laughs> oh, well, you need the bunting, because I used to watch um, uh, The Love Boat, and there was always bunting when they went uh, to Guadalajara. You're bang on. We certainly did get the we certainly did get the funding out. It, it's a huge deal, Nathan, having these cruise ships back in. Yeah. Um, eleven years is a long time, and in those eleven years, we've of course, I mean, it's marked first off by the earthquake. Um, the recovery is still, you know, ongoing, and then of course, COVID um, and tourism completely stopping. So it's it's an enormous enormous thing for Littleton and Christchurch. 
Oh, this is great. So they they come down off the ship there, mm-hmm. and they get in. And they ha- they have a look around in the in the beautiful area. And I suppose what what did they get into? What are they going to have a look uh, at? All sorts of things. Um, the re- it's re- it's been really interesting actually. The first ship, uh, seeing what they want to do. Um, very keen to get into Christchurch and check out the tram, the gondola. Um, get a feel for what uh, Christchurch is all about. Come back to Littleton, have a look at um, our local shops. Come and shop and um, experience the Littleton vibe. I read somewhere that someone said it felt like an old west coming to Littleton, just uh-huh. waiting for the characters to come out. Um, so yeah, the, the vibe was really amazing um, and very very positive. And I suppose, I mean, for the businesses, that's nice to hear that um, there, there was some the, the wallets did come out. Oh, it's certainly, I mean, that's what it's all about, really, for the businesses. Um, it's really, really key that the passengers are spending money, not just in Christchurch, but also in Littleton. Um, historically, of course, port towns like us don't really get as much of the return because everyone feels like they're buffed into Christchurch. So we've got a real focus at the Littleton Information Centre to make sure the passengers also see us on the way back to their ship. Yeah, a great town. My my family. Uh, I wasn't born there, but my, my two sisters. Uh, sorry, two, oh. two of my sisters were, and they lived there. They used to live in the house just up behind the one you know with the ball that drops. That got, oh yeah, the time. Yeah, uh, I was recommending there. people going to the time ball yesterday so much. Well, there you go. I'm just thinking too. Um, you know, it's an interesting uh, time. Cause, so, did they head around? Was it possible for them to do trips, maybe you know, out to Akaroa or things like that? Mm, yeah. So, I mean, it depends on who the operators that are running and shuttles that are running because it's taken this long for the season to start up again. We are still finding the operators that are running that maybe weren't running before or would like to restart again. So I think it's going to take a little while to find um, find our feet completely and be the smooth sailing machine that we want to be. But sure, I absolutely envision envision people to be travelling not just Akaroa but also to North Canterbury um, and further afield as well where they can. Perfect. Um, now it's it's never good when you you know you're waiting for the ship to come in and you're, you're waiting for this and then all of a sudden there's COVID cases uh, and, and other bits there. Uh, was mm. everything fine as far as you know? As far as I know, um, yesterday, sure, I think it was. Um, but I think it's important to remember, I don't know, we live in a world where there is COVID. Um, our response as a country has been so great that we are not d- dictated by it anymore. And our volunteers who are doing an amazing job, they can choose to wear their mask or not. Um, there's a lot more freedom around how people are feeling. And even if you want to volunteer for it, you have the um, power of choice. Hmm. Um, so we just we need to see how that goes. But so far, so good. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. There she is, uh, Rishani Bowman there uh, from the Littleton Port Information Centre. I hope some of them got to go to Wunderbar. Just, it's the greatest bar. It's so good there in Littleton. Well, look, um, here's something here. Love them or hate them, they're everywhere. And we're talking about Crocs. So the company which import Crocs into New Zealand say they're actually struggling to keep up with demand. That's how popular they are. So this month has been dubbed Croctober, making 20 years since the popular and controversial rubber footwear uh, was launched at a boat show in Florida. Now, they've taken off, uh, and in recent years, they've gone from being seen as a bit you know, uh, to quite trendy, actually. Reporter and croc owner Leonard Powell hit the streets of Tamaki Makoto to find out what people think of Crocs. What do you think of Crocs? crocs. Yeah, crocs. crocs the shoes. Yeah, I love them. Can I get you to say that without saying that if we're not... <laughs> I love Crocs. They're very nice. They're comfortable. And you can walk through puddles in them. That's a nursing student I asked about the plastic footwear storming the world. More from her and other croc enthusiasts later on. But first... We hear from an expert. 
Nigel Ferguson has seen his fair share of crocs, with his company Liquid Brands having imported them to NZ since 2006. He says we're currently in a croc frenzy. It's sort of just growing and growing, and certainly over the last three or four years, we've seen where it's been ramping up globally, and with everything they're doing from collaborations with artists and you know, famous people and celebs and that sort of thing. It's the hottest brand in footwear out there at the moment. We're just struggling to keep up with demand, and sales are going through the roof. Nigel says it's the youngsters who have driven the surge. It's always been a popular brand for us. So I guess with kids and with yeah, customers from probably you know, 35 right through to 70, 80 sort of thing, but now the, now the youth market are all over them. He says even the people who dislike Crocs help fuel their popularity. And that's what I guess helps drive it and everything. For everyone, love or hate it, has got, a, has got an opinion on Crocs. So, off to Simon Street I went. Why do the kids love Crocs so much? I really like them. I have a pair of Crocs. I have a friend who has five pairs of Crocs. She has like platform Crocs, normal Crocs, Birkin Crocs. What's the reception like wearing Crocs? Not so good for my family, but my friends like it. Is there a lot of nurses wearing Crocs? Yeah, 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 there actually is. And I always say to them, I'm like, that just looks wrong, but like, go there. They're comfy. My sister has a pair of bright orange Crocs, and I'm very jealous of them. She wore them mainly when she was doing rowing because of the convenience of slipping them on and off, and they're waterproof. I think for jobs where you stand for a long time, they're good, because that seems to be the professions that align with them, like nurses and the like. Some solid appraisals, but not everyone I spoke with was so keen. Yeah, I don't like them. I wouldn't wear them. What do you think of them? Uh, pretty ugly, I think, but, you know, if people are happy to wear them, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I don't wear them myself. Personally, I would have thought, from my point of view, that they're probably quite uncomfortable to wear, just looking at them. I know that people obsess over them. I don't find anything special, they're just a rubber shoe. I think they're a bit overpriced, hence why I do not personally own a pair. I just think Auckland weather is too unpredictable. The thought of like rain going through the holes is just not ideal. They're not like coriander to me, it's not like a hard yes or a hard no, it's just like, I'm indifferent. In the hospitality sector, you'll often find chefs and kitchen hands wearing crocs, which they say help to deal with the long shifts on their feet. And despite my best efforts, I couldn't locate a pair of crocs in the wild, so I went to Wise Boys Burgers in Greyland to speak with owner-operator Luke Burrows, a croc lover. These crocs I purchased at an op shop in Wanaka for $30 and they fit me perfectly and I've never looked back. And they look on the small side, but are they comfy in the kitchen? They're slightly too small for me, but they've served me so well. Function meets form. You've worn other shoes in, the, in, in hospital, I'm guessing. What are they, how do these compare? These are the best. They are classic. You can't go wrong. And do you have other hospo friends who agree with you on that? Have you come across a bit of a croc community? We've had a semi-revolution here at Wise Boys where now half the team has their own pair of crocs. I'd like to think I inspired that. I felt I'd gathered a balanced croc report, but there was one last crucial question that I had to ask the public. Crocs with socks? Oh, it's kind of both as bad as each other. I'm trying to think of like, you know, someone walking into like a lecture hall with crocs on. Would, would I rather they had socks or not? I would say socks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If I'm wearing socks at the moment, like at the time, but I wouldn't go and put a pair of socks on to wear my crocs, you know? Oh no, you definitely have to wear socks when you're out and about. They shouldn't wear them at all, but if they do, no socks. I would have thought they're more like um, a summer shoe for, you know, wearing at the beach and things like that. So I wouldn't wear socks with them, no. Wouldn't look, just wouldn't look right, I don't think. Crocs without socks is really weird. I don't trust people who wear Crocs <laughs> without socks. <laughs> 
all seemed it turned a bit Dr. Seuss at the end there, didn't it? Huh. Happy weekend. I waited all the week for you. Have yourselves a happy weekend. Andy says there's a major Victor power outage in the Royal Oaks suburb of Auckland. Victor maintenance trucks at work in Par Road. Beware of traffic, stop go lanes, uh, no street lighting. Uh, so there we are, everybody. Uh, look, have yourselves a, a wonderful weekend. Enjoy whatever you're going out there to enjoy. Morning Report is next with Marnie and Corin. From all of us here at First Up, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back in your ears on Monday. It's 48 hours. Beginning Friday night